Welcome into another edition of the Musketeer Report podcast. Hopefully, Xavier fans that are listening aren't too jarred by hearing a newer voice try to give that intro. I know, Rick, you've been doing it for way too long. Hopefully, it it slots in there okay. But, Rick, uh, this afternoon, we have a big commitment to talk about. Uh, Rick Broaring has gotten engaged, everybody. <laughs> Rick Broaring <laughs> is committed. I don't, I'm not sure if that's the commitment people want to hear about. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was a, a big weekend. And I have to admit, probably what made it the most fun, aside from the 150 summer trips that I drank at Braxton, was all the comments from Xavier fans on Twitter. You guys were very funny. I will say that was it was one of your guys better days on Twitter in terms of your jokes. They were on point. Well, the funniest part to me was when you finally got on Twitter later that night and started retweeting everything and you realized what had happened during the day. Yeah. That was maybe the funniest part to me of the whole thing. At like three in the morning, I was just dying laughing. A <laughs> little bit intoxicated maybe, but very, very happy. And uh, it was very funny. So yeah, but Xavier actually did land a big commitment today. And we've got a big show in general coming up. This is, this is a pretty good second episode. The first episode you do is head coach interview second episode we've got a little breaking news to go with we've got a couple interviews coming it's a big show yeah we're not pulling any punches we got mario mercurio on this show we got danny peters in his first interview i think right i, I think that's the first interview that he's done i'm sure he's talked to adam and everybody yeah i think else he did an, a bomb a, a traditional print journalist a true journalist first but of course uh, so we'll talk to mario first and then danny later on in the show we've already recorded both of those and they were fantastic so make sure you stick around to listen to those at the end of the show but rick we do have a basketball commitment to talk about about an hour and a half ago cam craft committed to the musketeers a four-star recruit somebody that can really really shoot the basketball class of 22 what can you tell xavier fans about cam craft this, in my opinion, this is a really good get. I, I don't, you know, try to hype up a lot of guys too much. I think people know that I'm pretty neutral on recruits usually. This is one that stood out to me from the get go. I think he fits in perfectly, not only with just the college game and what you're trying to do at this level, which is shoot a lot of threes and make a lot of threes and play really well off of ball screens, which he does both things at a very high level, but he's also the perfect fit for what Xavier needed with their current personnel and also a couple of the guys they're recruiting in this 2022 class which we might get into here after this but you just look at Dwan Odom you've got a point guard who let's face it the big weakness here is his jump shot and the fact that people are going to try to crowd the floor and take away his driving lanes you had to ensure that you were going to add some guys that can really space the floor and you got one of the better shooters in the entire country and not only is he a, a lights out shooter but he is a guy who can shoot it on the move he doesn't need to be running off a screen, catch and shoot, stationary type guy. He doesn't need to be open. He makes really tough shots. He shoots it off the dribble. And like I mentioned, in ball screens, he's great because he's an assassin from the mid-range. He's got a great floater. He's got a great pull-up jumper. He has combo moves off the dribble. We, I say I would say he has a little shake to his game. You know, he can break <laughs> you down, um, which you don't say a lot for shooters. And the other thing I really like about him, maybe the, the biggest thing I like about him is for a guy who's not a great athlete, he's a solid athlete and isn't very big and strong, he plays with an edge to him. He's got some toughness. He uses that off arm to shove guys off occasionally and gets away with it without being called. He's, he is not like a, a guy that you're going to out tough or bully. He, he's really kind of, you know, certainly not comparing his, his game as a prospect to Trey Young, but kind of the st type of stuff you see from Trey Young in, in the playoffs this year where he's just got that toughness, even though he's a very slight of stature guard. That's kind of how Cam Craft is as well. So you set the bar high. You're comparing him to Trey Young. Yeah, now, yeah. That was a bad thing. I always <laughs> say don't make comparisons. And let me be very clear. I am not comparing him to Trey Young. But in terms of that kind of swagger and toughness, that's what I mean when I say he plays with an edge. Is there anybody that Xavier fans might know, a, a former Musketeer, somebody that might currently be on the team, anybody that he kind of resembles that you've seen? I mean, everyone's going to say JP. Everyone's going to say okay. JP. It's already on the message board. Uh, I Again, I don't like player comparisons like that because – you people remember certain things about those players and they might be different than what I remember. So when I describe a certain player, you might think of those attributes that aren't what I'm thinking of. Right. And so like he is somewhat similar to JP in the sense that I think they're probably better athletes than they get credit for because they're pigeonholed as white shooters, but both of them can go up and dunk it. I mean, if you saw the video I tweeted today, when he committed his teammates are throwing off the backboard oops to him in games, he's dunking from the middle of the lane. So he's got some athleticism, but at the big East level, He's not a high-end athlete. He's kind of average at that level, and he's not going to be great defensively. So in that regard, he'll remind you of JP some. 
I also think there are some differences. He handles the ball better than JP makes a little bit better decisions. He's more of a, a ball handler and uh, a guy that you would run your offense through a little bit more. Whereas JP was kind of that like rambunctious playmaker that kind of got hustle points and uh, was a little sporadic as he did it. And he would throw the ball away three times in a row and then make five dynamite plays in a row. You know, Cam yeah. isn't quite as much that he's a little more consistent, a little more feel, but he's also a little more like you throw the ball to him and he goes and gets his as a, as a go-to score. And he's a better shooter than JP was at the, at the same stage. Uh, Rick, anything else about him that fans should know before we kind of get in a little more broader recruiting? Yeah, I mean, I just think that this really sets them up well and we can transition into what they're trying to do in this 2022 class. They wanted to get two wings. And obviously shooting is always a priority in college basketball now or any level of basketball with the way the game has gone. But again, with Duane Odom as your junior and senior point guard, when this class arrives on campus, you wanted to make sure you were bringing in shooting, stretch the floor for him. They're also looking at another point guard who's under six feet tall in 2022 class, who is a better shooter than Duane Odom, certainly a little bit more of a scorer, but he's also, that's kind of his weakness a little bit too, as he's not a knockdown shooter from the outside. Now that you've got Cam Kraft kind of at that shooting guard, or maybe even the three being that he's 6'6", you can really get go out and get Sean Jones, a, a 5'10 point guard who isn't a great shooter, and feel great about it because you have an elite shooter right next to him. And, and same thing on the wing. If you ended up with like an Evan Mahaffey now at, at the forward position at the other wing spot, as opposed to a Tyrell Ward or a Christian Watson, who are both very good shooters, you feel much better about that now because you got the elite shooter that you kind of need to ensure that you got. So I think the staff has to feel really, really good about Cam Craft as setting the table for this class. He's not a guy that's going to take any other options off the table at this point. Everyone on their board is, is still very much in play for them. And they're in a really good position with a couple of those guys. I've been churning out nuggets the last few weeks uh, pretty regularly on all those guys. So there's a lot more information and details on where all those specific recruitments stand right now. I think they're in the top two or three for a lot of the names I just mentioned. So uh, check out the premium message board, musketeerreport.com for more of that. But yeah, I'd say Cam Craft is a big time start to this 2022 class. He just, in the newly updated rankings at 24-7 Sports, he was ranked 101. So just outside the, the top 100, um, definitely a big get. So anything else with recruiting, recruiting wise, you get Cam Craft, uh, some other names you should look at. You just mentioned a, a bunch of names. Is there anybody else maybe that you think Xavier fans should keep in the back of their heads? Yeah, like I said, I think the, the three big names that you're looking at right now, and maybe four if you want to include Evan Mahaffey in there at the, the wings, although I think he might be slightly behind a Tyrell Ward or a Christian Watson, at least in my opinion, um, and then Sean Jones at the point guard position. They're definitely going to add another wing. Uh, I think they would like to add another point guard to groom behind Dwan Odom. And then if they are looking at big men, which I don't think is a necessity in this class, um, I'm looking at guys like Reed Bailey and Noah Clowney, two other names. And again, there's a lot more specifics and details on all these guys on the message board. Well, since we last talked, uh, there have been a couple of additions to the, to the Xavier schedule maybe the biggest of which, right? I mean, I, there's no bigger game going to be talked about in Ohio than Ohio and Niagara, right? Yeah, no question. I mean, I tell you what, when you get Niagara on your schedule, it just really stands out. They have such a great logo. I know fans are excited to play a team with a, a really well-established and clean-looking logo. So, no, that's a huge game, and I think Xavier's really going to be excited about that and pack the Cintas for it. And then also they threw on uh, Ohio State too. So Ohio State's going to make the trip down to the Cintas Center. And you're looking at this non-conference schedule, and Mario talked about it a little bit and how this non-conference schedule is, has really shaped up. And off of this COVID year, you have Ohio State at home. You have Cincinnati at home. Those are two huge gets in-state games, two big chances for like, I don't want to say program-defining wins, but especially the Ohio State game. You play Cincinnati every year, but an Ohio State team that you don't play all that often, you get that game finally in the Gavit game, it works out for you, and you're here at home, and you're playing it in front of a sold-out Centos Center crowd that's just dying to get back to see a game in the stands. That's a really special game that Xavier was given at home this coming season. Look, I don't know if I want to go as far as some of the Xavier fans have gone in terms of how much Xavier's gotten screwed by the Gavit games. I mean, I don't think playing Wisconsin, even if you're doing it on the road, and even if you played them multiple times in the last few years, is the worst thing in the world. I don't think playing Michigan is the worst thing in the world. So, like, everyone that talks about how Xavier's been screwed by the Gavit games, 
there was they they get screwed over a little bit, particularly the one year where they had to really change their schedule around. But at the same time, it hasn't been that bad. This is a pretty nice change of events here for Xavier. I mean, you really couldn't ask for a better situation than Ohio State at the Centaur Center. But more important than any of that, it's when do you get that game, right? Because you're not controlling. It's not a game that you went out and scheduled. It was dictated for you. A lot of yeah. times when you get that big game, it's in the year where, okay, great, we got it, but we're rebuilding a little bit, right? It's yeah. Travis Steele is getting in a year where he's got by far his best roster. I mean, this is a, you know, I don't, Maybe it's too dramatic to call it a dream come true for a, a head coach like Travis Steele. But I mean, when you're still in the early stages of your career, you're trying to establish yourself, you want to get to the tournament, not only are those big resume building wins, but this is, I mean, a really huge opportunity in front of your fan base to, like you said, I mean, those are kind of program defining wins right there. And, and certainly wins that'll define your season if you pick a couple of those up. So it, it comes at a perfect time. I have to imagine that the coaching staff is ecstatic. Yes, I think it's the Thursday before Thanksgiving was the date of it. I think it's November 18th. Uh, but the Gavit games always played on a weekday in that week before Thanksgiving. It's usually the first full week of the regular season. And Ohio State, it, it, it'd it be one thing to play Ohio State, not just to play them, but for Ohio State to be at Cintas, I think, is is the biggest thing, of obviously. But such a huge moment for Xavier to be able to get them at home. And Ohio State's roster right now is a little bit in flux with a couple of guys um, that are deciding between going to the draft, coming back to school. So it will be a little interesting to see who's actually on the team when Ohio State makes that trip down there. But still, regardless of it, they're going to be a very high quality team no matter who comes back. Yeah, Dwayne Washington did. It was announced yesterday that he is not coming back and he is going to try his luck at the professional ranks. And yeah. so, I mean, that's a guy that averaged over 16 points a game last year. It was a three point shooter, shot over like 37% from three for them. So, with him, they, that's like their top guy on offense. They're talking about a team that was going to be ranked top 10 for sure, maybe even possibly top five. Without him, it sounds more like top 20 ish somewhere in there. I mean, it could be as high as maybe 15 ish. But they still, as you mentioned, have a big decision out there that they don't know about yet in yeah. EJ Liddell, their big man. So it, that if he's not on the roster, then they're probably borderline top 25, top 30-ish, I would guess. Well, that's what I was just going to say. If you, if you don't have Washington back, which now you don't, and then Liddell doesn't come back, it kind of turns into a game. It turns into a game that you really, I don't want to say you have to win, but that turns into a game that you really should win, especially at home. Yeah. And I mean, again, I think the the way things are right now, Ohio state will probably be the favorite in that game. Or, or I mean, maybe with Dwayne Washington, now it'll be very close and Xavier will get the slight edge because they're at home. Uh, the little three point bump there, but it's yeah. I mean, if Liddell is not there, you're right. It turns into a game where all of a sudden Xavier should be the favorite in that one. I would imagine, especially playing at home. And, and like you said, it's a game you really feel like you got to go get, but again, uh, just a really fun schedule for the, the fans that are going to be at the Cintas center this year. And uh, if you're wondering about, Ohio State and when they have to have that final decision there on EJ Liddell he has until July 7th so basically one more week to kind of figure out what he's doing that's when we'll know where Ohio State's roster is at uh, Rick any other news nuggets notes anything you wanted to talk about before we get into these interviews no man I mean we're going to talk name image and likeness obviously that's the big storyline of this week around all of college athletics and maybe across the country in general I've seen a lot of news anchors talking about it too so we uh we're going to get into that with Mario Mercurio interview with him and uh, I think we'll probably just Roll straight into that. Yeah, so Mario right now and then Danny after. And also for anybody listening on iTunes, if you're listening, want to leave a, a little rating and a review. How about that? Leave a little rating and a review for us as well. Thank you so much. Uh, but here is Mario and then Danny to follow. Mario Mercurio, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Has it been a crazy day at the Cintas Center with all this NIL stuff just getting going today on July 1st? A little bit of a crazy day, a little bit of a crazy day. I mean, obviously we saw it coming, um, you know, the kind of news was out there that the switch was being flipped. So uh, we were ready. How you, you mentioned you were ready. How do you go about this? This was it something where you uh, tried to educate your guys ahead of time of what was going on. Did you, did you sit them down and have a meet with outside parties? What, what was the process like as you prepared for this? You know, the reality is, um, you know, it's, it's funny. Uh, 
over the last year, I've had a lot of people, you know, internal, external hit me with different videos. Uh, you see other athletic departments putting out about their, their student athlete branding program and suggestions of when we're going to do ours and what ours will look like. And, and I kind of laugh a little bit because, you know, they're all well done and they're sharp, but they also, uh, to an extent, tell, tell on that place a little bit. Um, we've done this since 2014. You know, if you've, have a, if you're a season ticket holder and you have that Xavier Nation magazine we send out, I think if you look at the second or third issue, there's a profile of a program we called Fortune 15. And, and when Coach Mack was here, uh, we sat down as a staff. It was the summer of 2014 and just talked about all those developmental things we do with our guys. And at that point, we felt like we were kind of taking the shotgun method. You know, if somebody called and wanted our players to read at a grade school, we sent them. If we felt like we needed to have a speaker come in on drinking and driving, we brought him in. If, uh, you know, there were so many different things and our guys were being pulled in so many different directions and it was all well-intentioned, but the mistake I think we identified we were making as a staff is there wasn't that North star, you know, there wasn't that big overall purpose to it. So we took that summer to organize all those elements and, and evaluate what was important. And, and we created I think it was college basketball's first intentional, you know, personal branding type program. Um, and this is year seven. I mean, we've had speakers, we've had training for this type of stuff. We've talked about branding. We've talked about using social media. We've talked about uh, preparing for life after college. And, you know, the, the change that's happened is, is some of those things. Uh, and you can read the room on some of the things when you're talking about, Hey, leasing and buying and credit scores and, you know, different ways to manage money. Because at the time when you're talking to a college freshman, they don't have money. Uh, now they will. Uh, and some of those things become more relevant early. But again, kind of going back to my original point, those schools making those videos and pushing it out, you know, I sit here and kind of ask the question, what have you been doing? And why haven't you been doing to a degree something like we've been doing to educate your guys in this space? Um, so, so as, you know, Paul let off, you know, today has been crazy. Um, but, but that part of the space, the education part of the space has been in place. And, and granted, we have freshmen and transfers and guys who haven't been a part of that. So, you know, we, we'll catch them up to speed. But if you're Paul Scruggs at this point, you're almost sick of hearing about some of these items with branding and, um, you know, just have an intention to the way you handle that space in your life uh, when it comes to finances, choosing an agent, you know, again, when you have groups of freshmen and sophomores in a room and you're talking about picking an agent, they can tune you out a little bit. Now they need to listen quickly because that's an option for them. And um, yeah. So again, doubling back to Paul's question and, and your kind of your question as well. Uh, crazy day, but I feel like we had a great preparation. Uh, we had great preparation in place to get these guys ready. Have you heard some rumblings of guys that have already tried to look into this or potentially sign things or things like that. I'm not looking for specifics, but just has the team been active with this already? Yeah. I mean, again, social media is, is a beast. You know, you, all you got to do is get on Twitter anytime over the last couple months to know this to a degree was coming. And uh, I think there, the waters were very muddy in terms of you have three different governing bodies. You have the NCAA, you have stuff going on at the federal level and you have stuff going on at the state level. And, and, there's parts that overlap. There's parts that conflict. And, and I just think everybody knew, quote unquote, it was coming um, and that it would be a dramatic uh, evolution to where we are now. Um, but nobody really knew what the script would directly look like. So, again, a lot of innuendos, a lot of feelings out there that, you know, again, knowing this week especially was going to be really wild. Um, but I think in a way, especially student athletes, didn't necessarily know what to prepare for in terms of um, – the opportunities and what those things would look like. Do you guys have restrictions in terms of what you're allowed to help with in this process? Are you allowed to seek opportunities for your student athletes or do they have to do all that on their own? You know, again, I'll be very candid and a little bit vulnerable with you guys. So much of this is new, you know, the Ohio piece of this, which today feels like the biggest, most, uh, you know, the strongest written governing element of where we're at, um, is days old days. And, and, and there's pieces of that, that as we sit around a table and interpret, you know, how to take full advantage of this and help your teams take full advantage of it, that we, we need to, we need some, uh, uh, final clarity, um, 
in terms of just, just how to maneuver in the space. Um, so again, as, as we get a deeper understanding of what the Ohio piece of this looks like, uh, we'll have a greater understanding of those restrictions. I, I help is going to be a weird, a weird word. And again, I'm going back to these videos you see from these different athletic departments, just because you go to a school, they're not brokering these deals for you. The one thing that seems to be very clear is, you know, again, if you're at whatever spot, like your head coach isn't able to navigate these waters for you and say, Hey, look, if you come here, I got a Toyota for you. I got a, you know, Rolex watch and you're going to get a country club membership for your family. And every time your family comes to a home game, they're going to get two suites at the Marriott. You're, that's not going to happen. I, I do think there's going to be a space where the institution can be involved a from the educational standpoint and b just um, an oversight type space um, where, where again, I, I, I hate to think that we're going to be in a space where um you spend all this time building relationships with players and, and, and building a trust with these players that they can't use that trust in me and the rest of our staff to say, Hey, look, this agent called me. Do you mind calling him and checking him out for me? Uh, again, I hate to think that I can't do that. Uh, there's some readings of the rule that might make you feel like you can't. And uh, it's certainly one of the things, again, I'm being vulnerable. I'm being a little, uh, I'm being candid about where we're at in the moment. We got to figure out just a little bit deeper as to how that can be handled. You mentioned that this is, kind of uh, a process that you guys have already been up on. You've been working through this stuff for a while now. With that being said, and given the fact that, you know, I don't think anyone's expecting student athletes at most of these schools to be signing six-figure deals or seven-figure deals necessarily. We're not talking about huge money, I wouldn't think. Do you think this will have a, a real significant impact on Xavier this year and the way you guys operate? Or do you think we're looking at years down the road and it'll take some time for this stuff to develop? You know, uh, I do think it's going to have a significant impact. I think it's a great opportunity for Xavier. Um, yeah, I, I, on this podcast before, I've, I've compared the recruiting process to picking a country club. You know, it, it, it's like guys like us getting dropped in the city. And, and once you get over, the, you know, somebody tells you, hey, look, you can go to any country club in the city, free membership, we're covering everything. First, you're going to be humbled and say, man, what an awesome opportunity. And then you're going to shake that off really quick and say, damn, I'm, I'm going to make this the best decision for me. Which, which spot has the best course? Who has the best food? Who has the nicest pool? Uh, you're going to start getting raped to the cosmetics. And this is going to be one of those cosmetics on steroids. Um, it plays a role today. I mean, if you scroll Twitter and see some of the deals that are out there, I mean, there's opportunities available. Uh, male and female student athletes are taking advantage of that would swing decisions in the recruiting process. And, you know, I think Xavier has a unique position. Uh, one, because again, this is a high major spot, great profile. If you're here, your brand is going to be, you know, almost as big as it can get on the college basketball landscape. Two, we don't have football. You know, if, if this conversation was, if this podcast was at a school with a big football team, like I, I think our guys on the men's basketball team may be, I don't know, 10th, 20th in line in terms of at that institution, who you're going to give your dollars to. Uh, you look at the young lady from LSU, the gymnast. I mean, we don't have that. Uh, I, I think, again, with all due respect to all of our student athletes here, and I, I want them all to explore these opportunities. I think our guys in terms of the pecking order here are, are in a better spot than maybe a Texas or a UCLA or an Oklahoma. Um, Xavier's a small private school. And again, it's as we recruit kids, there's advantages to that. And there's perceptional disadvantages to that. When you commit to Texas, you know, there's economies of scale and numbers. You're, you're going to get a couple more Twitter followers and Instagram followers. Funny, somebody added me today asking me, do I need to follow all of our guys? Will that help? Yeah, it will. Yeah, that that was will. posted on our message board today. That guy <laughs> posted all the links to all their accounts after he asked you. I love it. I, yeah. I, honestly, I, I think that, Again, it, there's going to be people out there that make strictly numbers-based decisions. How many followers does this person have? What can we get out of it for our company? And, and can they be a vehicle for us? And again, the Xavier side of that, we've always known that. You know, you don't get that huge follower bump. You're, you're in a different pool uh, volume-wise than you may be at some other spots. But in terms of the profile, uh, that doesn't there, – there's – it's apples to apples. Well, and I've always said, I mean, there are, you know, a handful, maybe dozens at the most in, in all of college athletics that have big time followings that actually move the needle in a traditional advertising sense. The way that most of this stuff is going to play out is in a new, uh, very 
modern and tech savvy way. It's it's not going to be traditional uh, car dealership ads on TV. At least that's my expectation for it. Would you kind of agree with that? It's going to be more upstart online, new age type deals here. I got to be honest with you. I mean, again, I, I want to dive deeper in with people uh, that have a lot more knowledge in the legal space and the language of the Ohio rule than I do. But uh, when I see fair market value, I see, you know, that. I don't know, Rick. I don't know. Again, recruiting's ugly. I mean, what, what actually happened on July 1 is all cheating pretty much got legalized. Well, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Uh, and, right. And, I get from, from that perspective, there are definitely going to be doing it, companies and donors and supporters of certain schools doing it for reasons other than making their own company money, right? Yeah. And I, I just think, again, I, I sometimes have a negative spin on some of the stuff once you get into the recruiting. You know, you put your recruiting goggles on. I mean, I don't know. I don't know that you'll see. I don't know that all these endorsement deals will materialize into things you actually see. You know, there's 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 paths here that have been created that allow for significant behind the scenes action. And, and what is endorsement? What are companies? You know, how you know you sponsor a young man to have a podcast. How long does that podcast have to be? And does it have to be posted online? Uh, if you have an autograph signing with with a student athlete, how many things do they have to sign? You know, that's not clearly spelled out, as we all know, and your listeners as well. I mean, uh, somebody is taking advantage of that. For every pair of headphones that you see a student athlete try to promote on Instagram, there's going to be, you know, I don't know if it's one to one, if it's two to one, I don't know. But I know that there's going to be a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes that I think will move the needle just as much as, you know, the ad for uh, whatever product or service you're pushing. Yes. Everyone's doing GoPuff today. I saw that. Uh, So based on what you just said, am I technically allowed to uh, get some ad reads going for the Musketeer Report podcast off Xavier players? Is that like a thing that's allowed or do you not even know? It would be allowed. (laughs) Oh, Polly. Oh, Polly. We're in business. If if you can hire me, you can hire them. Wow. 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 Okay. Well, that just changed some things. Um, I have one more question that's more scheduling related real quick, but do you have time for quick nonsense about the NIL? Do you want to hear? No. Yeah. Honestly. Okay. okay. Well, we had a little game we were going to do here where we were going to uh, pick the three sponsorships we would most want to see for Xavier players. Would you like to hear those real quick? Yeah, let's do it. All right, Paul, you got your first one ready to go. Yeah. uh, I was going to go with uh, LK. Uh, They're the foremost water fountain creation company in the United States. And who, who would you like to sponsor that? Uh, I don't know. Are we allowed to? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. That would have been a Kenny Freeze Zach, one back in the day. Is what you're right. Zach, okay. Zach Fremantle, maybe, I guess. That I would know. be good. That's I've a good got a, my top one was Kiki, Tandy, and Deontay Miles doing a Halloween Express ad. Not bad. I, I think that would be incredible. Not bad. Paul, go ahead. Um, well, I was going to steal one from you. Do you think Omaha Steaks would get in on, on the Xavier team? Just After to like Creighton wins, yeah. The, well, that's see, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, specific players. Yeah, I don't know. Omaha Steaks though, they can go in. That's on good one. enough for me. Colby Jones and Ramon Singh to do a Head and Shoulders ad for PNG. Two guys with great lettuce. Oh, decent that's pitch. good. Yeah, decent yep. pitch there. Oh, well, Mario, you. you could get in on that too, right? Listen, I'll take any dollar you want to send my way. <laughs> All right, <laughs> number three. Let's wrap this up quickly. Uh, what do you think? Make a make a graters flavor out of out of somebody. Can we name a graters oh, flavor? Blue blob ice cream would be great, and just let all of them promote that. Yeah, just dispersed evenly amongst the team. I like that. Um, all right, and then my final one. This is a throwback as well, but it would be my all time number one if it could have happened. Jalen Reynolds doing a cryptocurrency ad would have been just incredible. <laughs> I agree. I would have done any Dogecoin, Hogecoin, anything that Jalen. What Reynolds kind of was crypto pitching. would he have been in on? Any, it, would, he, would he have been a Dogecoin guy? You think he'd have been a Bitcoin guy? He'd have been a little. I feel like Dogecoin was all about the hype and Jalen Reynolds a hype type of guy. He's like WWF promo style reads for that. Yeah. And I would I would buy what he's selling. I'm in on that. All right. Uh, real quick. You obviously had a big announcement within the last couple of weeks about the Gavit games. We've talked a lot about the Gavit games when you've been on this podcast and, and how it's all played out in the past, Mario. How exciting is it to get Ohio State at the CentOS Center? It's good. Uh, honestly, it is exciting. And, and like you said, the Gavit games has been, have been a little bit of a saga. Um, interestingly enough, uh, we found out 10 minutes before you did. They, they completely kept it tight-lipped. We had no graphics prepared. 
Uh, I, I think that may be the rostering effect of them just trying to keep this thing. And he did break it again, I think. And, and, and he had been suggesting it was going to be Ohio State. I think, I think B. Snow, prior to his uh, departure from your life and movement to Penn State, was suggesting Ohio State. And there, were, there were some pieces that were kind of lining up because there was no uh, – no Villanova, no UConn, and maybe no. Uh, I think it was Georgetown. Yeah, and I think there was there was a felt there, there was a feeling that there was no made for TV type game left on the slate based on who was going to be in on each slot, side, and it felt like that was kind of one of those made for TV opportunities. So uh, it's good, man. It, it it it'll be awesome. I mean, you think about hosts. First of all, it's going to be awesome to be back in the Centos Center. We clo- we just closed up our uh, final day camp. Uh, of the summer, which is a little early. Uh, the floor is coming up at 5.30, and uh, that'll be the end of that floor. We're going to get a new floor next year. Same design, same style. It was. It's just truthfully that the floor we have is falling apart, and uh, scoreboard is coming down this weekend, and the, and the ribbon board, uh, the board at the north end zone, the board when you walk into Centos Center, you know, that's all coming down. So it's, it, it's going to be great, regardless of opponent, to have a full Centos Center, Stands pushed all the way out, floor seating, packed courtside club. I mean, I don't know if this is going to be our long summer podcast and how, how much we want to get into those type of things, but it, it just – last year was tough, man. I mean, if you've been in our building and you felt that energy, it, it broke my heart with the Colby shot and the Adam Kunkel shot um, for those to happen in that setting. And, and you know, typically that those highlights would be on every TV during a recruiting visit, and you're clipping that up, and it's like, <laughs> you know, you look in the background, nobody's there and, and, and our bench had energy, but it's like, God, like two just program defining type shots that are just, they live forever. And you have 300 people in the building and it just, uh, you know, you enjoyed those moments, but they were bittersweet because both of those guys and that our team deserve just a better vibe to, to how it happened. So I'm kind of going a roundabout place to saying Ohio state, UC, we're going to announce our uh, guaranteed games and kind of our full slate here over the next couple you know, seven to 10 days. I and mean, we are, we need it. We're ready. If you're a season ticket holder, please renew. I don't know when single game tickets are on sale. I don't know anything about ticketing. I'm doing a poor job selling whatever our plan is in that space. <laughs> but when they are for sale, please buy tickets. Please come back. Uh, the scoreboard's going to be awesome. Well, uh, I will say, as you know, you're right about everything you said. Those moments would have been way better with a full CentOS Center. But spin zone on the positive side, we did get the that's in or that's cash debate after the Kunkel shot, which was that's a great fair. moment in Xavier fan history. So, yeah. and you know, we had the uh, the apparel change on the sideline, which God willing stays. I mean, it, to, to wear gym shoes and a quarter zip and a polo to a game was life changing. I, I I had to wear a dress shirt for a Xavier thing we did like a month ago. It was the first one I had put on. In, 14 months so I've since put it on one more time like I, I have not had a tie on uh, I could roll with that approach forever Mario do you think there's any aspect of the bench like camaraderie that we saw where everybody was able to walk around I, I know you said you're going to bring the stands back out but that seemed to be one thing that everybody really enjoyed from last year is there anything that's going to be able to be replicated from that or is it just going to go back to standard normalcy again I I know you're not going to share the video from this podcast, but like in my office, I have these pictures of our arena and that full bowl. And it's just like, you've got that NBA feel where it's just people, you know, you don't know where the guardrails are. You don't know where the stands start. You don't know where fans start and the players end. Uh, so I, I, I hope not, but your point was, and we actually talked about it in a team meeting yesterday, like that was the first seven games. I'll never forget for a lot of reasons, but like the cohesiveness, the vibe, the us against the world mentality, it, you know, those first three out of the gate were all at noon and it, it just, you didn't know what to expect. I mean, again, I've been at Synthos for however many years and you've always knew what a home game looked like in, in, in the student section, the band, cheerleaders, you know, things you took for granted to such a high level after just seeing it and doing it and seeing it and doing it. And, uh, uh, I'll miss that piece of it though. You know, it, it was a little bit of the us against the world mentality. You felt like you were in a, in a little camp type environment and uh, it was cool. Our players liked it. It, it brought those guys together. It, it, 
shine the light on them a little bit because you can't hide. You know, if you're having a bad game, you got to stay engaged on the bench. <laughs> it, it really showed, you know, all that stuff you talked about, about picking your teammate up and being there and cheering those cats on. It was, uh, it was good. It was good. You guys have announced Niagara and Kent State recently. Are we just down to buy games at this point? A few more buy game announcements, or is there another uh, big one out there for us? I think that's it. I think okay. we're down to buy games again. I, I think our our path has changed to get the NCAA tournament. It's, it's January and February and March. I mean, you have twenty high major games. Ten are home, ten are away. Got to win more than you lose, and if you do that, you're going to the tournament we are always going to respect the non-conference portion of our schedule because one, it prepares you for those 20 games Two, It's what we do on victory parkway. You know, we're not going to be that school that bastardizes two months and, and just slides through. Um, but we have to be smart. Uh, we got to be calculated. Uh, we haven't dialed anything back, but I, 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 again, when I have my A10 grids from days gone by, you know, you'd see those more high major home and homes. And we've been handcuffed as we've talked at length on this podcast about, you know, the, the, that conference built in opportunities that we have no choice about, you know, Wake Forest series, UC series, there's some repetition built in that I know hurts the uniqueness. Um, you know, the MTE rule has changed. I think you'll still see some of those type of MTEs. I don't think it's going to become the Rick Boring classic. And, you know, <laughs> even again, even roll last, it year's, last year's because of the dynamics of just what was going on was awesome. And I, and all those yeah. teams that we had, you know, behind the scenes, great guys, programs we're familiar with it felt it felt good and it was the right thing to do for us we felt like it minimized exposure and travel and put us in a position to at least get out of the gate with some games logged um but i i'm ready to get back to charleston i'm ready to get back to uh, some other opportunities i think we have coming up that are really going to be pretty exciting cool. well mario thanks so much for taking the time this afternoon appreciate it absolutely always happy to talk to you guys and hopefully we can do it again soon One of the newest faces of the Xavier basketball program, assistant coach Danny Peters. Danny, thanks for taking the time to join us this afternoon. How you doing? I'm doing well. I appreciate you guys having me on. So first of all, Danny, you come here from, from Arizona, but you've had such a long legacy of coaching. Uh, I, I got to ask you, what kind of car do you drive? <laughs> right now, I, have a, I, I got a Ford Edge. They gave it to me about two weeks ago. Oh, okay. I know. I was just curious. You know, some people Ford, Chrysler, Buick, Lexus. I was just kind of curious. Um, so anyway, going, you know, from Arizona here to uh, Xavier, what are some of the things that makes you so excited uh, to join this Musketeer staff? Uh, you know, I, I'd start with this. I have worked for or been around, played for, if you want to call it playing, been around just so many guys that have that have been at Xavier, had a Xavier experience. Thad Mata, Ohio State, I was the walk-on, end of the bench, went through that experience. The whole staff, for the most part, came from uh, came from Xavier to Ohio State, Coach Gross, Brandon Miller, and Alan Major. Then I went out to Arizona as the grad assistant uh, 11 years ago. It feels like yesterday. I went out there. Played, I worked for Sean Miller for four years. The first stint, uh, James Whitford was on staff. Uh, Ryan Reynolds was our ops guy. Book Richardson was there. Um, and then I went to Ball State as an assistant with James Whitford. Uh, Brian Thornton was on staff with us there. Played, obviously, at Xavier. Went back to Arizona. Kind of relived that again for three more years with Coach Miller. We hired uh, the world-famous Emoy, Brian Brigger, as our equipment guy the best of the best. He's a Xavier, former Xavier manager. And uh, then now got my chance to come to Xavier. And I, that's long winded, but I, I tell you this, every one of them has raved about their time in Centos Center, their time at Xavier University. And, and I've always kind of been like, okay, we'll see, you know, kind of shook my head. I think that was a little bit of being the, uh, the son of a coach of a former Bearcat, you know, don't tell, I don't tell too many people that, but that's just kind of the side of town that I was raised on. And then slowly it got windled down by, by learning underneath these great coaches that had X on their shirt for so long. And uh, I became that. And then, man, I was here for two weeks and I was just blown away. And I understand why it's just, it's the, it's the intimacy, the closeness of the athletic department. Um, you know, everybody by a first name basis, it's so hands-on with our student athletes expect, you know, our basketball players in particular, 
you're not a number, you're, you're a name, you're a face, you're a person. They know your, they know your family and uh, just the, the ability to grow people uh, on and off the court. And I believe honestly in our staff, the way that they develop people on your staff uh, from Mr. Colehep down, I mean, what he's done just in the professional development realm, you've, I've sensed that so early in being here. I think it's been a month and a half or maybe two months since it got announced, but you're just around it every day, man. It's exciting to be a part of. And, and it made me understand so quickly why everyone that I've encountered in my journey as a coach or as a player have said such glowing things about this university, the program, the building of Incentos of itself, um, if that makes any sense at all. Well, and it's one thing to, you know, hear great things about the, the program's legacy, the facilities, mm-hmm. all those types of things, but you also have to feel that the, the guy that you're going to work for, the head coach at the time, you know, knows what he's doing and has things rolling in the right direction. Travis Steele mm-hmm. has said that he knew you since you were a freshman in college, I believe. What's your relationship yeah. been like with Travis and, and why was he a guy that you were excited to come work for? You know, when you, my journey, this really started so, so long ago. I always knew I wanted to get into coaching and I'll get to Travis here. This is again, I'll probably be long-winded, but I knew I always wanted to get into coaching. My dad, longtime college coach, and I followed him everywhere. And along each of these stops, you pick up different things and you learn from different guys. You learn what to do, what works. You also learn what not to do sometimes. And uh, my stop with Travis, where we first encountered was I kind of gave up on the path of being a player. I failed. I wanted to be like the NBA all-star. I think everybody does in the driveway, like kind of hitting the game winner for the NBA championship. And kind of had this transition period where went from being the best player and the guy on the team to now you've become like the manager walk on and uh, had that role. When I started that, Travis was the GA at at Ohio State at the time. And I kind of gravitated towards him because he breathed it. He lived it. It's it was a lifestyle. It still is. And that's kind of how I always viewed my path at a young age. And slowly but surely, I started to do the same thing as I got through college and into my grad assistant uh, experience and into the video coordinator. And I always referred back to kind of how I saw Travis do things. Brandon Miller is another example, but really Travis, he spent some time with me in that first summer that we were together. And I remember him like on the Exos machine in the bottom of the Schottenstein center, cutting up like Denver nuggets, uh, offensive playbooks from the (laughs) NBA playoffs. And I was like, can I make one? He said, sure, no problem. And he taught me how to do it. Like I made one like right then and there, like he showed me how to use a system, how to watch the film. I remember going home with the tapes at night, like the 12, like VHS tapes. We didn't have DVDs yet. And uh, I'm like a little 19 year old kid, like bringing upstairs, watching my parents loft, like writing it on that, that steno pad and like coming back. And then Travis got a job and he was off. He wasn't even there. And uh, like I finished it, made it and printed it, put on a DVD. I don't even think I have anymore, but, you know, I spent a lot of time learning at that young age, what he kind of showed me that. And then, you know, I stayed in contact with him and we were more friends at that point in time and uh, got on the road, got my first assistant job on the road. And I remember always watching how he was two or three steps, four steps ahead of me in his career path. And, you know, one of some of the things that he did that worked for him is networking his uh, is the way he was developing players, his work ethic, his recruiting. Um, I felt like, man, he, he always did a great job in that stuff. Team camp in the summer, getting guys there uh, from all across our region and to make them come and feel comfortable at Ohio State or, um, you know, wherever he was doing it someplace else. And then I went to Arizona and I heard about how Sean talked about how much he had grown and how he continued to grow as a coach. And, you know, I've only been with him for two months in an everyday capacity, but you know, his work ethic is, is unmatched and his, uh, his love for the game his love for what he does every day is, is it's inspiring. And to see kind of where he's been, you know, I'd say that's 2005, that's 16 years ago where he was then to where he is now and how much further he's going to continue to continue to go. Cause we're both so young. It's exciting to see it's, it's, it gives you motivation and like, man, you're not out there just doing that by yourself. I mean, you got someone next to you who a little bit trains you in some ways to kind of do the same things. 
one of the things that Travis really prides himself on and the coaching staff especially is how well you guys recruit together as a unit mm -hmm. and instead of just individually out talking to different recruits. How much mm -hmm. of an adjustment maybe has that been for you uh, to recruit like that as a unit? You know, everywhere I've been, we've done that. So it's not uh, – it's just a different form. I think we've always – our tree has, has a specific way of recruiting, um, you know, whether you're a high school kid, junior college transfer, whatever it may be, the whole staff, it's a whole staff involvement. And uh, the new rules obviously make it a little bit easier for your support staff to get involved too. But we've always had that. Like the last thing you want is that kid to come on campus and, you know, this is my guy. And if you leave and you get another job, you know, who's he turning to when he's there? He, he, that you don't want kids to choose a school just because they came for the assistant. They want you to choose because they want to play for the head coach and they want to, they want to be a part of that university and that program. That's the bigger thing. Your job is to sell them on all three of that, all three of those things, pardon me. And uh, you know, as a staff, what Travis does and his, his approach from each of us reaching out to everybody and him organizing that and telling us specifically, I need you to, you know, you need to do this. And then, when we're on visits, you know, it's just not like, hey, you follow somebody else's lead. He gives you a chance to kind of step up and, and address certain things or talk about certain things. He leaves the floor open to all people. You know, it's, it makes you more invested. I think anyone in any organization, he would feel more invested that way. It's just not like rinse and repeat all the time. Coach, how familiar with Xavier's roster were you before taking the job? You know, a little bit, uh, I would say about 50%. I did, I did do my research. I got up to speed, but, you know, Paul Scruggs uh, played AU with a couple kids. I watched him when I was at Ball State, watched uh, his AU team and signed a kid from that team, Zach Gunn, came to Ball State, or, yeah, came to Ball State. And then, uh, you know, we played against Chris Wilkes at UCLA, so I watched him a lot. Recruited Jack Nungy uh, to Ball State. He came on a couple visits. Um, and then, you know, I saw – I saw Kunkel on film uh, a couple times because they he when he was at Belmont they played UCLA when we were in conference when we were in the conference and I asked him about that back door they beat the Bruins on I kind of I said you know that back door got Coach Alfred fired he just started laughing but it was uh, it was funny to to kind of meet these guys afterwards um, kind of going through Jerome Hunter just watching Archie's teams play. Um, and, you know, pick and choose here or there, just different guys and coming across them. Since you've gotten to campus and been around these guys a little bit, is there anything that stood out to you or any guys that were a surprise that, that you didn't know as much about? Uh, you know, I, I watched every game, uh, every Big East game before I got here. Um, I wanted to get a feel for the guys and like how they played, how we played uh, in, the, in a unique COVID year just the, the style that Travis was doing things. I know that there's the staples of our fan, of our coaching tree, but I had a good feel for everybody. And, um, I, you know, that kind of, that played a, a big part in it. Um, but that, that, that'd be about it. I'd say. Coach, when you look at the season and you look at the roster and how different things are going to be this year versus last year, as far as, like you mentioned, the COVID season fans in the stands, everything like that. Have you guys talked at all about, some of those things and getting back to normalcy coming out of all this COVID stuff? You know, we haven't yet. Uh, we've had staff conversations, light ones touched on it, nothing in depth, uh, but just had some staff conversations where we've discussed a couple of those things briefly, just, Hey, we need to be able to probably talk about this later. That's been the extent of it, but we know that those are going to be conversations that we're going to have to have with our guys and uh, the change. I think, a lot of it, like when you go into play a COVID game with no fans in the stands, learning from the NBA bubble last summer, it was like you have to bring your own energy. I thought Ben Stanley did a good job of that in the games leading up to when before he was eligible. And then after he got hurt, you probably saw him as the captain of the bench in his own way. You have to bring your own energy in an empty arena that seats over 10,000 people. Uh, if you don't, you know, lose your voice. Uh, we played games last year in McHale and we have an unbelievable, we had an unbelievable home record there. And one of the, the knocks that teams would come in and say is, well, they don't have their fans and you had to be able to bring that. Well, now it's changing. And how are you going to play in front of fans and get back to that new normal? I think that'll click back on for them relatively soon. It's just figuring out the conversations that we have to have with our guys.
Well, and talking about the the schedule and fans being back in the stands, you come to Xavier in a pretty interesting year. I mean, not only are there a lot of pieces returning, but you've got a home crosstown shootout this year, which I imagine you've heard a lot about that rivalry being your family situation and uh, (laughs) the guys you've worked for. And then you've also got an Ohio state game coming to the Cintas center, which you've played there. Uh, I imagine you gotta be pretty excited about both those big time games being, being at the Cintas center this year. You know, I'm, uh, I'm excited about them all. I saw we scheduled uh, Niagara yesterday, right? That came out. Yeah. Announced yesterday. Kent state too. Yep. So yep. yep, Good friends with uh, Greg Paulus. Uh, Kent State guy played college basketball with J.J. Selinger. His son, I believe, is a freshman there next year, if I'm not mistaken. So that'll be unique to kind of see that one. Obviously, Ohio State is a big game uh, on anyone's schedule. So is Oklahoma State. And um, so is obviously Cincinnati is is the the game, right? That's the that's the real game. But, you know, uh, it's exciting to, to see that schedule and just to get out there and, and play again, uh, and especially in front of fans and a new normal. Uh, it's one thing, like you guys just touched on with the last question, to play a game and and no one's in the no one's in the arena. But there's nothing better than playing in front of ten thousand plus fans and they're screaming and they're supporting you. And I've lived in Cincinnati for five years as a prep player. I know the value of Xavier um, recruiting in the Midwest and uh, just kind of going to college up north and obviously working for a number of former Xavier coaches you can't pass up on our fan base and what they mean every single game in Cintas center. It's a big, big deal. And that does not happen everywhere. Our guys, you got to coach them on not taking that for granted. And I think something that they'll learn from coming back from next last season is that how special that is to have that. Cause we're going to go on some road games where people will not have the same environment that we do. And you're going to have to, you're going to have to take it, uh, you have to be very appreciative of what you do have. Coach, thanks so much for joining us. Have a great rest of your afternoon. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Thanks to Mario and Danny Peters for joining us on this episode of the Musketeer Report podcast. Rick and I will be back soon to break down any more if any news gets broken, anything like that. But thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time right here on the Musketeer Report.com podcast.